I'm Michelle Ely from the Starlight Tribune, an Arrow TV show fan podcast, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You are listening to Pop X Cast, where science fiction meets pop culture. Captain's Log Supplemental. Pop X Cast. Hasta la vista, baby. What's up, guys? Welcome to Pop X, where science fiction meets pop culture. I'm Austin Burke, the Appalachian geek at heart, and we would like to welcome everyone joining us live in the popx.live chat room. You guys can come and hang out with us and join the conversation at popxcast.com. Also, if this is your first time tuning into Pop X, the first 20 minutes or so, we run down the headlines since our last show, and then we dive into the show topic at the halfway point. Except today, we're doing things a bit differently, a Joe. Bit different, but you yeah. guys can still stick around. Geeky goodness is coming your way. And today, I'm joined only by the man, the myth, the legend, Joseph Burke. Why so serious? Ooh. Oh, man. <laughs> man, I'm so excited to do this show. I mean, uh, we're talking about episode 103. Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips Joker, and I'm just so excited to dive into this with you because I know that I've been watching your channels on over on uh, the Birkinator and then Flick Fan Nation, and you guys have been cranking out some material. <laughs> Not only that, did you fly all the way to Texas to see a premiere of the film? Um, dude, that's pretty freaking legit. But before we do that, I'm your host, Joseph Burke, Central Florida seasoned comic book nerd and retro enthusiast. Now, uh, be sure to uh, check out um, our uh, Google Play and iTunes and click on that subscribe button and catch up on some amazing shows from the PopEx Collective Archive. And while you're there, we'd certainly appreciate you showing us some love by leaving us a five-star rating and review. Now, if you missed episode 102, The Dark Crystal Legacy, check out our official website at popxcast.com for this and other great past shows from PopEx's collective archive of geeky goodness, indeed. So uh, there we go, and you know th- this this show is going to be different, Austin, than what we've we've done previously in the past. Yes, and the premise of this is basically you and I talking about a, a film that's kind of hot right now, especially in the past week in the cinematic world. So we're going to cut right through the news this week. There's not going to be any <laughs> Pop X news. We're going to go straight into the meat and potatoes, and Austin and I are going to literally unpack Joker for you in ways that you never saw or you never even saw coming so uh before we do that though we are going to say that this is going to be a spoiler heavy conversation if you've not seen joker yet and you're wanting to click on the pause button right now on your live stream or your podcast and then head on over watch the film and then come back and check it out because i'm sure that there's going to be some conversation in here that you definitely want to be a part of as we unpack Joker. Austin, you got anything else you want to say? Or are you just are you just ready to do this? Are you just like chomping? chomping no, man, this is this is a movie that I think is, is causing a lot of uh, talk. So it's nice for you and I to finally, this is our first time talking mm. about it to each other it in, is. in front of you all. So this is yeah. exciting. It is exciting. So don't go nowhere. We're going to roll the spoiler alert warning. And remember, beyond this point, you have been warned. <laughs> to enter a Pop-Hop-X spoiler alert. Beyond this point, there is no return. You have been warned. Alright, like you said, you have been warned. And we have some we have some notes, or quote-unquote, some itineraries that we want to follow for tonight. And so, you have been warned. The spoiler alert warning has been rolled out. And so, Austin Burke, uh... There's so much I want to talk about right here. And I have a list of things that I want to talk about concerning Joker. And I just want to talk about, maybe before we stop, start talking about the opening, I want to yes. talk about the buildup before the film. Because there was a lot of hype coming into this. Especially, I, mean, I was watching clips online of Joaquin Phoenix. And he's, he's like, you know, he was talking about how this is, even though it's in the superhero genre, it's technically not. 
And he was like, why would you want to rally behind someone like that? Why yeah. would you want to rally behind someone who's, who's clinically ill, mentally ill? And so how was the buildup? Did the buildup precede the film? Did it, did it, did you feel accurately portrayed things? The there media were, blitz, um, the media blitz is what I'm talking about. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, build up hype. Then once that hype started to die down after the initial premiere at the festival, there, there was a bit of controversy surrounding the movie as well. So yeah, a lot of, um, and, and I don't want to dive too deep into right. that, but a lot of the, the violence is kind of, you know, sh- overshadowing what the actual nuances of the film are and, and things that I mm. think a lot of people are looking over in their reviews. And it's just all of the hype and you've got a lot of greats. And then some some bad started coming out after the initial. It's a masterpiece, five out of five. So I, I went in a bit more worried than I mm. was originally after the first film festival premiere. And then you have a guy in Joaquin Phoenix who is just, you know, he's one of those I'm going to dig in deep into this character he's intense, i'm a dude. one-off he's oh he's so intense and yeah. he's a one-off kind of guy so i'm going to do this i'm going to put everything into this role so a bit of excitement a bit of hesitation i was worried but at the same time i was pumped i've never really felt this way about a superhero movie before joe and i think that's a testament to the character of the joker i really well, do you, you said it right there austin i've never been this excited for a superhero film because for the first time we get what's and i've heard this word mentioned around many outlets a character study. Yes. And we were getting a character study on a character that we all love because we basically all grew up with the Joker. If you've watched yeah. Batman, the animated series, you've you've heard Mark Hamill's Joker or you've seen Jack Nicholson or you've seen Cesar Romero yeah. in the 66 yeah. Batman. But this one in particular, it, it does something as we're getting into the opening part of this monologue, as we're talking, it does something that I've never seen any other genre do, and that's it it tackles mental illness. And yeah. that is a huge hot topic right now, especially in society, in the medical field, in the industry. You know, as my, my wife is a nurse, you know that. And, and so she sees the repercussions of mental illness to the extremes working in the mm-hmm. medical industry. And and so it's a, it is a hot topic, you know, anxiety, depression, all these things that we've created for ourselves, and yeah, a lot of it's in part of this because we've become drones and society yeah. and slaves to the devices that's put before us. So, but let's back up. This film has taken place in the seventies mm-hmm. before these kinds of things came out. Yeah. So the mental illness thing, it was almost. I won't, I don't want to say taboo for mental illness because there was only like certain categories. You're schizophrenic, you're psychotic, you're this, you're that. I mean, PTSD and anxiety and depression, they were only things just murmured about in that era 40-some years ago. And so I think having a character study that actually lifts the veil, if you will, of mental illness and kind of not only raises awareness, but shows really what it's all about. And it's not a pretty road at all. So, Uh, especially for this character, too, because you have, you know, mental illness can can cause someone to go in all sorts of different directions. But if you have something like what he has in the movie, and like we said, we're talking spoilers. Yeah. and, And you're not looked. Up upon because you know in today's society we we treat mental illness the way it should be treated. We right. try to help those in need. Right. Arthur Fleck didn't have anyone to help him. Arthur Fleck was looked down on. Arthur Fleck tried to go and get therapy, but the government shut him down. It was one thing after another after another, and, and after all that builds up, and then you realize the entire time you've been lied to by the one <laughs> that you love the most. Yeah. I think that's going to cause someone to snap, especially someone yeah. like you said, 40-ish years ago that's dealing with something like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just unreal. And we're talking about the mental illness, and we're talking about a lot of things that we're building up here, especially for Arthur Fleck's life. And so that's the character that Joaquin Phoenix plays. Um, and so Arthur Fleck has been living with his mother for X amount of years. <laughs> and we're understanding little pieces here and there that is dropped to the audience about his past, about his life. And um, one of the scenes I remember, and it just really resonates with me, and he's, he's sitting in the room with his therapist. This is the first meeting that he's having with his therapist before. This was the, the one before she says that the whole program's been canceled. Mm. And he's sitting there, and, and she's like, Arthur, can I see your, your journal? 
And there were so many one-liners in that journal that was just echoing deeply his inner soul. And there was one that's like something to the effect. I think we were talking about it Sunday night, Saturday night. Yeah, Sunday night on Pop X uh, 102. We were just like, you know, I hope my life means something at the end of the day. That, that you know, there's here's my, what was it, my two cents or something like that is worth. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was just deep. That was a deep cut. I, there's, it's not only the deep cuts. I mean, the attention to detail, and I know we're going to talk about it when we get to the Easter eggs portion, but just to throw this in here, and you mentioned yeah, yeah. those lines written in the journal. Yeah. It's the, the things happening in the background, and it, from the rats to the, <laughs> to the, the yeah. interesting characters that kind of pop up, and you're like, is that a comic book reference? And if it's not, it is a reference to something. I wow. have never seen such a detailed and layered and just things happening in the background comic book movie that seems so simplistic on its surface. But when you really start to dig into it, and these are things that I think some of the critics are not even looking at because they're just too worried about politics. But when you yeah. look at the nuances of this movie, man, it's one of the few that stand out in the comic book genre as something that pays attention. Yeah. And that's one thing I love about this. Well, movie. There, there's nuances of Gotham that is captured from multiple sources. And I've read this oh. online, but I've actually made my own conclusions as well. Having read Frank Miller's The Dark Knight from 1986, which is the graphic novel that literally spawned Batman into The Dark Knight <laughs> that we know today, um, there's nuances of that where um, I, I remember a scene watching, uh, the. it was in the panels on the comic book, the Joker automatically springs back to life when he hears that Bruce Wayne and Batman is back in the scene fighting crime. <laughs> he's just, you know, he he literally is underground for years. Yeah. And then he hears the word Batman. He's like, what? It's just, it just literally, it's, it's like the yin and the yang. It yes. comes together. And so there was another scene, too. Um, if you think about 1989, Tim um, Burton's Batman, mm-hmm. you think about all the scenes of Gotham there, how dark and grungy and, and the carnival feature uh, and stuff like that. And it, I don't know if you noticed, but on the side of town where Arthur Fleck lives, it's kind of got this carnival-esque vibe to it with Whoa, this whole yeah. clown, um, I don't know what you call them, uh, sidewalk prophets or whatever you want to call Writing them. on the wall as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's very carnival-esque, which echoes not only Arkham Asylum, and the Arkham series, but it also uh, echoes definitely uh, Tim Burton's 1989 Batman yes. with Jack yes. Nicholson, which was kind of very carnival-esque as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the last but not least, of course, Batman, the animated series, which kind of really brings that home. But the one I wanted to touch on on that genre, and I'm getting my comic book lore out of the way. This has been bubbling up for a couple of weeks now, <laughs> is the laughing joke, the killing joke. The, the, that one, if you've never seen the movie, you never read the comic. There are scenes in there where madness, it, it, mm. that is literally a character study on madness, mm. sheer madness, and what happens when the Joker snaps beyond a point that he can't come back from himself. If you've never seen The Killing Joke, oh. you need to go, you need to, it's on um, Warner Brothers streaming, it's definitely a movie that came out about two years ago, but it's also a graphic novel, no. you need to go see The mm. Killing Joke, it's awesome. And I would so, actually say that the graphic novel is is... I really enjoyed the animated movie, but there were certain parts that I think they they took liberties that, that oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't get from the original story, and I prefer the original story. But either way, you see it because there are so many comparisons to draw. And I know they said going in that, oh, this isn't based on a comic. <laughs> but I saw, especially that talk show, you think of The Dark Knight Returns yeah. and what happens in that talk show, in that story. You know? Did you notice, so you did you notice the font from uh, the, the Murray talk show? Was it, was it the same? It was the, the Batman font? animated font. <laughs> See, that's what I'm, I'm telling saying. You. Like, oh, there are no big comic book. Yeah. Todd Phillips said that in an interview, and I'm like, dude, nah. come on. No, it is the <laughs> actual font from the Batman animated series. <laughs> yeah. So that's there you go. Crazy. So, oh, but uh, yeah, and you can actually back all this up too. And, and you know, you're talking about the character studies and stuff. So we, we have Arthur Fleck, you know, and we're starting to understand his conundrum that he can't control mm-hmm. his laugh. And he has to hand people a card. It's almost like a, a form of Tourette's. That's the best way I can put it. Yes. Where it's an uncontrollable tick that you have no physical or mental control over, and it just happens, and you have to let somebody know what's going on, that you're not actually laughing at them. What a horrible predicament to be in, mm. you know, just to have an illness. I mean, I'm sure that is an actual clinical diagnosis because it's, it sounds factual. 
Well, there was a uh, there was a YouTube video that actually resurfaced re- recently from I believe four years ago, and someone posted it, not paying any mind, just posted the video, and they have that disease. And, and really? so Joaquin Phoenix, yes. Yeah, so Joaquin Phoenix Ooh. actually said in an interview when asked, he said, I, I researched and I watched video of people who actually have this disease. And, and from what I've read, his portrayal of this actual this, this, this illness yeah. uh, is the, the most accurate, accurate you could possibly do. Everyone said that he pulled off two A T. Wow. That, that's acting. That's impressive. That yeah. is impressive. Wow, that's insane. And so you're seeing you're seeing this kind of escalate, and you're seeing every moment. You know, you're seeing him being bullied at work. Uh, yeah. His signs have taken away from him by by some guys in the corner in the back alley. You know, just wanting to play pranks, and it's just one occurrence after another, and it does not get any better for him at all. And and, and you know, you can just literally feel the tension about probably a quarter into the film when his um, one of his co-workers gives him the 38 special, the 38 gun, and then frames him because he wants the job yeah. and he wants Arthur Fleck out of the out of this arena of, of clowns that are that's just weird, man. That is just crazy because he just literally backbite him, two timed him and, and just stuck him in the back pretty much and well, so Arthur over there is one that's uh, got the gun, and and uh, oh man, that's a tough situation. It's a to shame. Me. Yeah, it is. It is a shame, and he lost his job. Yeah, and it's like one thing after another with this character, man. And it seems like everyone in the movie is out to get him. So, and I'm not going to sit here and say what he did towards the end of the movie was because clearly, you know, he he jumps off the edge and he falls into madness. It's a pure descent into madness. Mm. But the things pushing him in that direction, I did feel bad. And that's one thing I was a little bit worried about going in is, ah, it's like, I don't want to feel empathy for the Joker. He's a sociopath. He's a maniac. But you did feel but bad for him. But they set it up. Yeah, you man. You felt bad they for set it him, up dude. In a way that you're not just feeling bad for him, but when he turns after, say, the, the, the scene on the train, after oh, you're feeling yeah. hatred towards the three on, on the train, he turns so quick. You're horrified for them I, i'm like dude crawl man get out of there yeah and there's a there's a sense of dominance so there that's like yes. it's like it reminds me of have you ever seen rob zombies halloween oh yeah yes it, it yes. reminds me of the shape that's what they call michael myers it reminds me of the shape when the shape has no emotion on the kill that he's about to do he could care less yes. who it is and that's kind of like how Wafi, it, he, uh, one minute he's 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 a, a petrified, humble guy, kind of like cowering in the corner. Yes. The next minute, you do yeah. not want to be in his path. He will. I mean, it's just, it was crazy to watch that transition. And Joaquin Phoenix, oh my God, portrayed that <laughs> so perfectly. There were so many range of motions in that one sixty second scene where he's crying yeah. and cowering on the floor of the subway, and the next minute he gets up and becomes the dominant force in the entire train. How did I mean? It's the commanding role, bro. Yes, it's the first <laughs> time he's ever felt in control, and when he feels that sense of power over those who have been, you know, completely and utterly wrecking his lap until this point, this is the first time he says, "You know, I take charge of my situation." And can maybe change it, right? Yeah. And the entire movie is all about him. He just wants to be famous, whether yeah. it's becoming famous as a comedian, becoming famous as someone who, I don't know, takes out the television talk show host. The guy just <laughs> wants to alert. be seen. And yeah. that's the, the that's the first time he is seen, right? Because yeah. he takes those three people out, and then V for Vim, Vendetta style, the revolution begins. Well, that was and the beatdown. That was the beatdown. I mean, that was the the moment that that... that kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. It was That was the beatdown that literally broke him mentally and psychotically. Yes, yes. Um, it was just, I mean, everything crashing in from the job to his family to his father checking out to mm. all of this stuff. And then when you think that it gets better, it gets worse. He starts uncovering truths about his mother and yeah. about his father and the Wayne family and the Wayne Enterprises. I mean, that's, that's what we're getting ready to go into right now. I mean, the break on this was just literally transitional. He went from one human being to another human being. It's almost bipolar or borderline personality disorder. 
Yes. And again, another character study on the levels of a mental illness. We're not talking about one level. We're talking about a giant Vidalia onion with multiple layers that are unwrapping at the same time. And um, so the, the break was probably, for me, one of the most crucial parts, the subway scene. And that was the moment when I said, oh, my God, that's the Joker. That That is him. He's embodied. And then all of a sudden, you know, he goes back and he feels elated. He feels on fire and he goes back and, and the girl across the hallway, he just goes wide, wide into her room and he starts kissing her, which we kind yeah. of question, is that really real or not? We'll get, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. But uh, I know you wanted to talk specifically, though, about this whole Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne, Alfred Pennyworth connection here and for you you am sure you saw the film by now that there is definitely a huge heavy wayne presence here so austin what do you think what do you want to talk about in terms of that oh man uh, <laughs> just just an element of the story that i wasn't expecting going in and says once again you know we had both heard that they weren't going to hit too hard on this but uh this is a batman origin story as it well is. as a Joker origin story. It's just as much. But now they don't focus on it as much. But if right. you think about it, this entire, because the reason why his parents get taken out, kind of, I guess, hearkening back to uh, Michael Keaton's Batman. Yeah, a little bit. Is, it's not the Joker doing it, but it's because of the Joker that it happens. And so Bruce Wayne, Thomas Wayne, that entire storyline is hit on very detailed in this mm. movie. And at one point in the film, and I'm honestly still not sure which side it falls on, but we believe that Thomas Wayne is the father of the Joker as well that's as Bruce right. Wayne. Well, that's not, because not, his mother was delusional. His yes. mother believed that, oh, Thomas is a good man. He's going to come yes. and save us. By the way, that was the actress. I don't know her name, and forgive me in advance, film critics, but that's the actress from American Horror Story who was in Coven and all the other ones that played. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's a great actress. and um, But she, her, the way she portrayed um, the Flex, Flex mother was just mm. beautiful as well. Perfect. But then he started going to the facility where his mother was at, Arkham Asylum, Mm-hmm. Uh, spoil, that's the biggest spoiler <laughs> drop I can hear yes. but he goes and, 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 and he's talking to the guy behind the window and he's wanting to try to pull the file and the guy pulls the file and he's like I can't give it to you and you need credentials and paperwork and he just grabs it and he runs down the hallway down the flight of stairs and he starts really this is where not only did he have one mental break but it's almost like inception his brain went into another <laughs> level of chaos and mm-hmm. and so it, the Thomas Wayne thing though, her, the mother believed the lie, and he followed up on his mother, and then yeah. he went actually to see he was holding the the movie ball. They were watching Zorro, right? Weren't they watching yes. the film Zorro in the movie? Yes, I believe so. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was just really bizarre how all of that lined up. He found out the truth from his mother, and oh my god, I forgot about the whole most gruesome part. He ended up killing his mother. <laughs> How can you forget and, about and that? That that to me was, you know, you had this kind of revelation that oh, Thomas Wayne's the father. Is Thomas Wayne the father? And then you start to realize, okay, no, she's no. crazy. She crazy, and, and she won. Yeah. And then we read in the files that you know the the dad or, or the guy that was with her was was mentally somehow we don't know maybe yeah. sexually abusing we don't Arthur know Fleck. Details. Yeah. So that's part of the reason why he is the way he is as well, and that's another reason to kind of feel sorry for him. But once once he killed his mother, the one thing that kind of you know he, turned him into the man he, that he is now, whether he knew it or not, I mm. think that was the, the, the quick – he went from Arthur Fleck. Arthur Fleck died with his mother, he did, and the oh, Joker was born. Arthur Fleck died with his mother, and, the Joker and, he, and it was by his own hand. By his own hand. Dang. <laughs> the metaphors, man. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I mean, I think it's just so interesting that he he followed and pursued Thomas Wayne to this event. Yeah. And it was, I guess it was some kind of charity ball he was having. It wasn't the actual film yet, because the film was later in the movie when he took yes. Martha and Bruce to the film. That was later. Yes. This was some kind of, I don't know, publicity event that the Wayne Foundation was hosting or whatever. Mm. And uh it, but it also painted a very dark portrayal, a gruesome portrayal of the Wayne family and the crookedness that's going on there as well. 
bad people. It didn't put Thomas Wayne in any kind of limelight. It put him as more of kind of a douchebag. Yes. Uh, that was very, a take. It was. And, and, you know, we know there are hints in the comics, certain storylines, iterations that, you know, maybe the Waynes owned slaves, maybe they weren't the best people in the world, but we've never seen it. And I yeah. think a lot of are used to um, Bruce's dad from the Dark Knight trilogy from the dark knight trilogy is the guy who builds his son up to become the hero and this guy is not that guy no, this guy is a crooked just kind of um off a individual typical? and the scene where yeah absolutely and the scene where where joker goes and puts the smile on bruce's face and, and you see um you see a, a little hint of the madness that thomas wayne can cause one person in arthur fleck mm-hmm. but then you see later with the riots and the people freaking out them and that's not a good look for the wayne foundation but if we do ever get sequel and we'll talk about oh, it eventually man. later on in the show if we do get something that's another reason for bruce to kind of um maybe avenge what people know about his family kind of uh kind of turn the tide of the wayne foundation if you will so i i really man i there's a lot of want to see about that yes you know you said it earlier in the show this is an origin story not only of joker but of Batman, Bruce Wayne, the Wayne, the Wayne it family, is. and yes. um, and the two did very much do go hand in hand in this film. And <laughs> you know what, when you were talking about, you know, uh, Arthur Fleck died uh, with with his mother um, by his own hand. That no. was the last flame that he had to anything that he held onto that he was compassionate about. Yep. And it was in that moment that that's when he knew. And then, uh, what was it, the Murray show called and wanted him oh, on yeah. because of his horrible comedic stand-up comedy routine. Mm. And again, another opportunity for him to be laughed and poked and prodded at for trying to display his heart as best mm. as he knows how, only to have Man. it ripped out of his chest and thrown right back at him. <sighs> and it kind of is building up towards the finale a little bit, um, but... There's a lot, there's so much to unpack in this in this last <laughs> yeah. twenty minutes of the film. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Um, what were some things here? I'm gonna I'm gonna I feel like I'm talking too much. I want to hear from no, no. you. What was what was like one of those things? As, as let's talk about the Murray Show scene setup. Mm. You know, he's called. Can you come in next Thursday? Yes. Oh, by the way, he kills the buddy that gave him the thirty-eight special and backstabbed <laughs> yeah. him, but saved the the dwarf, uh, the, the, the <laughs> yeah. little guy. And kissed yes. him on the head, and I was like, <laughs> "So Joker, were, man." He was like, "You were never mean to me. You can go." <laughs> but then, yet he locked the door to where he couldn't handle. <laughs> that was such a that good was scene. so mean, man. <laughs> yeah, and here he is with like blood all over the wall and his face. He's like, "You can go. You're fine." <laughs> Gosh, again, dude, layers, uh, layers yeah. of just uh, insanity. Mm. Um. But all right, so he he got the call from the Murray Show to come on, and be a part of it, and he agreed, and he was there, and so the the I think the banter between both of them was just it was crazy. I just think you know it's like what do you really want me on here for? I mean, <clears throat> Murray Franklin. I mean, what why are you why do you want me on this show? What yeah. what? And and he was like, oh, can you do a joke for us? And obviously, right off the bat, Murray Franklin's wanting to see, you know, are you going to make it buddy yourself this time, or what are you going to do? Man, did that end badly for Murray Franklin. Knock, knock. (laughs) (laughs) Who's there? (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot lot of people are going to be using that. And and I find it interesting. So the, the Martin Scorsese film, uh, The King of Comedy. Yeah, yeah. Is, is a, Obviously, they cast Robert De Niro from that movie because I think it's a prequel. King of Comedy, it dude, it it's a prequel, dude. Feel like it? It's because De Niro's character in this movie feels like what if his character from that film, who, if you guys don't know, if you've never seen the movie, just a a quick and it's not a split. It's forty years old. Just a quick. (laughs) So basically, he he goes in, um, he kidnaps a talk show host. And because of what he does and his performance that he gives on that Tonight Show, he becomes extremely popular and gets his own talk show. So Robert De Niro is cast in The Joker. It feels like it's that character with now his talk show. 
Yeah. Doesn't it feel it like feels that? It feels exactly like it, yeah. And I, I love it. And, and, and don't Robert forget Taxi Driver, too. Taxi Driver in 76 was the film that pretty much Scorsese yes. paved the way. Yes. I mean, before, before watching The Joker... I watched I watched both of those King of Comedy and uh, Taxi Driver back to back because I if you don't know Scorsese single handedly was the guy that paved the way for the film of the Joker to be made in the first place I feel like it's a trilogy it's almost like Glass it was the culmination yes. trilogy of the M Night Shyamalan story of Unbreakable and Split yes. it kind of feels like Joker was the culmination of Taxi Driver and King of Comedy do you is that the way you feel <laughs> Oh I mean, that is. That is the definition of how I feel. I, I saw so many similarities. And that's the thing, though. People are giving Joker such a hard time. Um, taxi Driver was way more violent. Oh, yeah. There is a scene in a taxi where, a, where the director, Martin Scorsese, is playing the taxi driver, and he talks about bashing a woman's skull, yet he didn't get any flack. If Todd Phillips was to do that this movie, yeah. he would be banned from life. Yeah. They, yeah. Would, they would take him out. So to me... That is is the internet. I think that's Twitter. I think that's Instagram. I think it's people feeling like they have power. But you look at a film like Taxi Driver, how it transcended cinema, how it took yeah. a genre and it boosted it into something, a, a category that we had never seen. I well, think Joker's doing that for comic book movies. I think Joker's doing that for R-rated hero slash villain films. Yeah, I really do. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and it's just, holy cow, so much to unpack. So the finale, knock, knock. Uh, our Murray Franklin is shot live TV, one of the quickest. Oh yes, I've ever seen in my oh. life. It was. Did you not, Joe? Did you not hear the, the? Did you not feel? I don't know what cinema you watched it in, but did you not feel that impact when he got shot in the head, all over your body? You know what it felt like, and it. it <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm gonna be real with you. It felt like I was watching it live <laughs> uh, unfold on like CNN or something. It felt very yes. eerie, eerie. Yeah. Yeah. The way it was shot. And I'm just, I mean, yeah. I, as you could tell, the look on my face, I was just sitting there like, what did I just, mm. what? And I was I was with yeah. like another group of, I had like four or five guys with me that night from from my group. And and I looked at all my buddies and I was like, we were we were just had this all same look on her like, whoa, whoa. Wow. <laughs> that was heavy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah the, 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 the shot and, and, and stuff like that. But then it's really strange after that, you know, he, he gets up and he walks off stage and and he goes out and creates the riots that uh, literally mm-hmm. fuel mm-hmm. the entire end finale of the film. Insert yeah. the Wayne family. Uh, the Wayne family are watching Zorro in the theater and they step out mm-hmm. and all these riots with clown masks, the clown posse, if you will. They're just yeah. running around and... and revolting and it almost kind of felt like what you see on today's society where everybody's just revolting against the man revolting against the machine revolting against society and yes. it was just like a, a rally of of honor a rally of just i'm done with society and 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 all the chains that you put on me that's kind of the my, my interpretation of it and i know that the, a lot of people will see this on a very darker level but um interpreting that and then and then seeing one random guy in a clown mask come around the alley and see these two rich people walk out of the theater and down a there it is there's the famous scene from 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 how many times have we seen it portrayed in film you know so many thomas and martha wayne shot dead in the alley and poor bruce is just sitting there holding and looking and like you know running away that's that quote from uh from jack nicholson always reminds me you ever dance with the devil by the pope and I just want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I just want, Never rub another man's rhubarb. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, so let's talk a little bit. You know, the, the, there's one thing before we talk about box office and criticism of the film, and then the score mm-hmm. of the film. Let's talk a little bit about um, the finale as a whole. How we. So, is it real? Is it not? That's the big question. Yeah. And so. Let's back up for a minute. Let's go back to that first scene. Remember me telling you about the first scene with his therapist? He's in yes. there, and he's she's like, yes. "Author, uh, can you tell me anything about how you how you felt when you were in the institute previously?" Mm. And he's sitting there, and all you see is him banging his head against the glass of his of his cell. Gosh. Okay. Fast forward. All right. So he's already shot in Arthur Franklin. 
The riots yeah. has already happened. He's awoken on top of this car, and he claimed himself as a clown prince of crime. Crime, and then the next scene, literally, it cuts. He's back in the facility. Mm-hmm. Wait, how did that happen? There was no transition. There was no arrest. Yeah. There was nothing there. Yeah. All right. So was he in the facility the entire time? Was mm-hmm. the movie all a ruse? in his mind to where he had a psychological break and killed his therapist, which caused the Mm -hmm. blood footprints down the hallway. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Austin? I think there's a, I definitely think there's a chance. And and that was the feeling that I had walking out of the movie. But after thinking about it more, and I, I, I look at the, the lines that he delivered to the, the newer therapist in there talking to him, talking to her and, and, it was when he was saying that line about Bruce's family when she says, "What's what are you laughing at? What's so funny? And he says, you wouldn't get it. I think that's him thinking about all of the carnage, all of the chaos that he just caused. And I, I think why it was such a quick jump was to make us think that, you know, maybe this was happening in the facility the mm. whole time and this was all just in his mind. But I truly believe when when he was sitting there and just kind of soaking everything in, he even had the same essence Ooh. that he had when he had turned into the Joker. It was a different essence after his than mom. what was at the beginning of the film. Yes, yeah, so after his mom, I, I think he's a different person at that point. I really do. He's broke. And just the fact that he's so relaxed sitting back. And because in that first scene when he's with the therapist, it starts with his uncontrollable laughter. Smoking and he, he's, he's got a little He's got a little shake to him as well, and at the end, he's sitting back. His feet, his feet tapping. Remember that? His his, feet was tapping. Exactly. So it was like this nervous tick element that I was getting, but at the end, he's just like, I, I can do what I want because what I have done to this city is far greater than what anybody has ever done, and he accomplished what he wanted to do. Um, people looked at him. They saw him. He was, in his own way, famous now. Uh, for all of the wrong reasons, but for the reasons that I, I think are going to continue to establish him as the Joker, you know he's going to get out. You know he's going to have five to ten years, to, five to ten years to uh, to build and become, I think, the Joker that can take on a Batman. Because at this point, he is the Joker, but he's not but the clown prince of cl- crime he's, yet. Yeah. He's not the, and that is the perfect way to yeah. say it: not the clown prince of crime yet. All right, he has time to well, build. Well, in that. an interview. With Todd Phillips. Okay. He was asked this very question. Mm. And we are going to play a snippet of this interview right now. Okay. This is from comicbook.com. So, one second. I don't want to say whether it's real or not because I think part of the fun, I've shown it to many, many different people and they all have a different reaction. Some of them say, oh, I get it. I mean, the last line in the movie is you wouldn't get it to a joke he's telling. Well, is the joke the movie? Is the joke the thing? Or is it the thing about the thing? Like, you don't like to answer those questions because it's nice to see the different things people take away from it. I have my own theories on it. So there are a few... So there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So I had that queued up specifically because I knew we were going to talk about it. Wow. So Todd Phillips purposely left that open to create the dialogue that you and I just had. Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. Got it. You. <laughs> that is the fact that he said, I have my own theories on the movie that I directed tells me that unless we get a sequel, it's open ended for him. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Kind of like is- Christopher Nolan and Inception. I- oh, man. Isn't there an Inception 2 coming out? That's another side tangent for another day. <laughs> but anyway. All right, so let's talk, you know, so the movie as, as a whole, I mean, it was just, oh, my God. It was, yeah. I want to go back and, and make sure I catch or, capture all the little moments that I'll, I didn't see the first time around. I want to yes. see it again. I've only seen it once. Um, but I may do that this weekend. So let's talk a little bit about box office. How is mm-hmm. it doing domestically how is it doing globally because i know that you already have the numbers locked away in your mind because you've already talked about this a thousand times already uh we've got currently domestically it's at 119 million that is after a pretty massive opening weekend uh, about 96 million plus the 9.7 million on monday and the 13.9 million on tuesday both coming close or surpassing October records, which is incredible. And wow. then you look at the worldwide numbers, so you add 
152 million to that 119, and you have 272 worldwide currently. Now, the budget, the production budget is not stated. They wanted to keep that a bit of a secret, but if I had to guess, I would say 50 to 80. You you put on marketing costs, I would say maybe another 50. So right now, they have already doubled what they spent on this movie. That is remarkable. And it is Joaquin Phoenix's and Robert De Niro's. Think of the movies that Robert De Niro has been number one opening for both of them. Are you serious? I swear to you. Wow. I swear to you. Dude, yeah. That's crazy. It's massive, man. The biggest, I mean, <laughs> it just goes to show you, though, the power that comics can have in cinema today. You can take a character like Joker and do what this this whole character study thing is about, what Todd Phillips yeah. has done, and create something that's pretty magical. I was on the fence <laughs> yeah. about having a Joker solo film. I was like, do we really need a Joker? Yeah, actually, this is pretty good. <laughs> This is pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, I, you you think the, the Tom Hardy comparison as well. Oh, Tom yeah. Hardy. Think of the movies that he's been in this deck, just this decade. Yeah. And his number one and two openings are The Dark Knight Rises and Venom. Those are both comic book movies. Oh, what comic yes. book movies are doing? And listen, I love Martin Scorsese, but when he came out and said comic book movies are not cinema, I, I concurrently and wholeheartedly disagree. I do with that disagree statement. with that. I really do. Yeah, I do. I was molded by it. Morning. Anyway, so uh, every time you hear say Tom Hardy, I just automatically go go to Bane voice. So the box office is bashing right now, and I'm surprised. Now, if Joaquin Phoenix doesn't win an Oscar, uh, what is it? Academy Award? Yeah, Academy Award. Oh my God, dude! Yeah, how could he not? Do you think he? Do you think he's going to be nominated? I, I think if. They do not nominate him. Now, the argument has been made, well, the Rotten Tomato score is now a bit lower than it was when it first... Rami Malek won for Bohemian Rhapsody, which barely cracked fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't want to hear that argument. If he Mm. doesn't get nominated, I'm going to throw a tantrum. And at this point, it is clear and away the best performance I've seen all year. So if he doesn't win, I'm going to feel the exact same way. Now, there's still Mm. plenty of movies to come, uh, but as of right now, he is is by far my number one. It will probably still dominate Star Wars 9. I'm just saying. I, I think so. I, I Sadly, I think so. Dude, have you heard they did reshoots last week? Yeah, again, the Dude, second batch. Now, it's first batch no, reshoots is October, fine. October, man. I know, I know, man. That's got they no are two, two months from print. I'm scared, Joe. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> Abrams is like, well, that looks good. Let's just throw that in there. Huh? <laughs> let's, let's try Let's see. Let's appease the fans. And I think a lot of that has to do with the, the whole debacle with The Last Jedi and people. And, the, dude, what it, the heck is up with Rose? Just no, what is up with Rose? Taking story. <laughs> they have totally deleted Rose out of the all the printing and marketing material. I know. I know. What is up with that? Anyway, over there. we can actually have another podcast on that. Another, I mean, good. <laughs> I I think it's oversaturation. Personally, I think Star Wars has I been oversaturated. Too. I think that uh, Iger should have pulled pulled the plug on that and and let it be in more like every four years or something like yep. that. But, they got to get that money, bro. Yeah, they get that <laughs> that's money. what they're there for. Sadly, so I, I you know we've talked about box office criticism. Of course, critics some are some get it. Others are like, it's a grotesque, obscure film on masculine immaturity and the depths of the mental psyche. Okay, yeah, that's exactly what it is. I wanted the Joker to tickle Batman. That's all I wanted. I want to see some tickling and some powdered sugar on my nose. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just snorted. I did not mean to do that. I'm so sorry. Or am I? I don't know. I'm with you. I'm with you, man. Actual criticisms, though, before we get one or two things, one mm. or just very minor. They did. There were a few lines at the end when, when Joker was sitting on the talk show where the woman that she she hit on a few things that may have hit on gun violence of today. And it's like, oh, they're just trying to throw that in because it's 2019 and it's time. Agenda. Like, oh, yeah, it's an agenda. And I'm like, I don't need that in this movie. My only other criticism would be the fact that they they kind of wasted a, a few of the other Brian Tyree Henry. Mm-hmm. Um, who I think is a phenomenal actor, was in one scene when he hands him the document, or when Joker takes the documents from him. Yeah. And, and Zazie Beetz, obviously, and we barely even hit, but her story was completely made up. It's all in Joker's head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was That was a major concern for me all throughout the movie because I'm like, they're not building her up, but the, then as soon as they reveal it, you're like, oh, wow. 
they did the perfect thing with her character. I still wanted to see her maybe flex her action acting chops a bit more. A few minor criticisms on that. Yeah, when she said about all I got. When she said you're Arthur Curry from down the hall, aren't you? Oh, I'm like, my my thing was like, holy cow! (laughs) That whole scene of them in the diner. What the heck? Gone. Unreal. (laughs) Literally unreal. It's insane, bro. All right, yeah. so um, overall, I think we're, we got two forms of score. We got our score and then the cinematic yeah. score. Um, yeah. I think that the music that was chosen for this movie was on point. The fact they went back to the roots like Frankie Sinatra and, oh. uh, you know, smile, let's put a oh, smile on you. I thought it was awesome. And then I didn't expect uh, the the rock and roll part one, you know, dun, dun, dun. Yes. Gary Glitter. Yes. I was like, what? Yeah, where did this come from? So <laughs> I thought that the music score was really good. It was no. it was it was great when it needed to be. It was fun yeah. when it needed to be. It yeah. was dark when it needed to be. I and, think it's one of the best I've heard all year easily. And and comic book wise, I believe this is the same person that did the score for Chernobyl earlier this year, ooh, which is Chernobyl amazing. score was insane, dude. It was man, and you can even hear those vibes in this movie. So I think this is one of the best scores. It was in those, general it was those cello hits, like you know those weird, eerie cello hits. Oh, yeah. perfect, man! Yeah, Chernobyl, perfect. Another great yes. show, by the way. Absolutely. Well, Austin, we've come to the end of the show. We talked yes, about we Batman. We talked about all that. Let's give our official score on the film. Oh. Now, I, I you I haven't actually watched your score of this. Purposely, mm. when you've got up yeah. to the point in your videos, I've hit stop because I wanted to hear it on Pop X. So, what is your official score if you were rating this? So, originally, I, I gave a score that I wasn't actually happy with after I, I, I thought of the movie a bit more, and I've actually seen the film again, again since. There's still a lot to process, there's still a lot to digest. My score ha- has actually raised a little bit. Okay. So, as of now, I'm going a 9.3 out of 10. I'm going a wow. 9.3. Yeah, which is pretty massive compared to the other movies I've seen this year. But I do want to say if I – maybe if I go and I see it some more and I kind of process it a bit more because I want to see if it has that rewatchability. That's kind of what I'm on the lookout for right now. I know it's a brilliant movie. I just want to see if it has that rewatchability. If that sinks into me, I could up it to a 9.5. But right now I'm going to go 9.3 because I think that's a pretty good score. Well, I'm actually not too far from you. I'm a 9.4. Oh, yes. I'm oh, a 9.4. Wow. Um, and that's only that's seeing good. it one time. Um, yes. Just everything that we've talked about, just the depth of this film. It's a film that runs deep. It's not a film that you can just sit through and watch and just have feel superhero vibes. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's not this film. What this film is, is a deep climb down a, in a very troubled individual who suffers with chronic mental illness. And you get to see mm-hmm. the psychotic breaks of what happens of society beating down one of its own to the point yes. that they can't return back. That's mm-hmm. the sad part about it. And I just love how it echoes. It's so transparent mm-hmm. in the way it's shot, the dialogue, the acting. Joaquin Phoenix, I don't think they could have picked a better actor for this. No. they. Could I mean, have. one of my favorite There's roles no of, of Joaquin is Walk the Line, where he portrayed Johnny Cash. And I own it on 4K. It's one of my favorite Brilliant. films of all time. Him, him, and yeah. Reese Witherspoon. And so, um, but uh, yeah, 9.4. I think that um, I think that's good. I think it's solid, man. And I, I definitely want to go watch it again. It is. Um, yeah, I just I didn't see it hitting me this hard. I, I saw it uh, when they announced it, and I said, you know what? I just don't know if we need a Joker movie. Mm. But the fact that it's hitting me as hard as it's hitting me and it mm-hmm. just keeps beating down and pounding on my chest the more I think about it, that's the sign of a good film. A film that causes conversation. Yeah. And I have talked about this movie nonstop for a week and I don't see myself stopping anytime soon. So that, that's wow. the sign of a good movie for me. Well, are you ready to wrap this thing up, dude? <laughs> man, yes, I this am. This has been man. a fun little bonus 103, man. I'm telling you, this has been been wow. great. And you know, I, the Joker film. If you've not, if if you if you've seen it already, obviously, if you've not seen it and you watched this show, well, that's shame on us. But go go watch it again, man, and just just soak it in. Be sure to look for the little Easter eggs and the things that we pointed out. And I want to hear what you guys thought about this film. And so, what was your score? What was your rating? Mm-hmm. What did you feel about the the cinematic score? And what did you feel about the acting and De Niro and Phoenix? 
I want to leave, hear your comments. So leave all of that down below in the comment section. And uh, you know what? Uh, we would love to just actually maybe even retweet that or share that out yeah. on our media because I want to hear what you guys think about it. So, uh, Austin, go ahead and uh, lead us out, my friend. You guys can uh, find me at The Birkinator. I am Austin Burke, of course, on YouTube. Did a lot of Joker videos. Did a, did a Joker comparison video. Talked about the nice. possibilities of Joker 2. And then, of course, the spoiler and the normal review uh, which I was so fortunate to do with my buddy Chris from 3C Films. Cool. We are also part of an amazing network called the Gonna Geek Network. For all things even more geeky, you guys can head over to gonnageek.com and check out some amazing podcasts from our home network. Also, you can connect with us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and Pinterest, all at PopXCast. Send us comments and suggestions as well via email at popxcast at gmail.com. Also, for future and past shows, you guys can visit our official website at www.popxcast.com. And right. I just want to give a quick shout out to yeah, uh, Stephen Haywood, as always, and Telestream for Wirecast, which is an incredible program that Joseph used to put, uses to put this show together and, and one that I use for my live streams as well. We couldn't do it without you, man, and we couldn't do it without the program. Haywood, incredible. Telestream, stuff. Wirecast, we got yes. you, bro. Yes. And I am Joseph Burke at Joseph Burke Arts all over the web. And of course, hats off to Team Pop X, Mr. Austin Burke, for hanging out with me on this, uh, on this uh, lonely, lonely Sunday night <laughs> as we are uh, streaming out here together. But you know what? Uh, the rest of Team Pop X didn't see the film. And I don't think that uh, they're going to be able to see the film anytime soon. So me and Austin mm -hmm. spearheaded this one together and, and brought it and made it uh, happen. So thank you, Austin, for uh, just being here and being part of this. And for all, uh, for Mike and for Lindsay for being all that they do for PopX as well. Awesome. And uh, be sure to join us for episode 104, which is uh, TBA. But we will be back in a couple of weeks. And with all that said, you ready to rock and roll and get out of here, bro? I think so, man. No more Joker talk until probably the next hour. <laughs> Later, man. Don't keep talking, man. All righty. From everyone at PopX Cast, thanks for listening. Please make sure to like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash popxcast, and click the follow button to get our live stream notifications. Drop us an email, popxcast at gmail.com. Be sure to check out this and more great content on the Ghana Geek Network at ghanageek.com. Get your geek on! <laughs>